this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I'm bringing you the astrology forecast for February 10 to February 16, 2021. This was also shared to YouTube originally, which is why you will hear me say things like, like this video. So you can check out my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, to see these forecasts. And I'm getting ready for a move. I'm moving to Portland. So I'm a little bit slower right now on uploading interviews and on having interviews to upload, but I will be back in that in not too long. And I'm excited to bring some more conversations to the podcast, but for now I'll still be sharing the forecasts. So let's get into this week. Welcome. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for February 10 to February 16th, 2021. This week, we have a new moon in Aquarius, and this week is activating, activating, keyword. We have an impressive lineup of planets in Aquarius, and a good number of them are squaring Mars and Taurus at the moment. Mars, by its nature, brings activation and emphasis, sometimes aggressively or forcefully. Aquarius relates to the nervous system, to trauma, and to freedom. And we'll unpack that a little bit. Aquarius relates to the process of contacting downloads, revelations, epiphanies, insight. At a basic level, Mars and Taurus squaring these Aquarius planets could relate to increased amounts of agitation, anxiety, or stress. But not just about one localized thing, but more like a z sensation on a tender spot, like whole patterns or traumas, essentially experiencing moments of confrontation, really plucking a nerve here and feeling the whole system buzz. And while this is not the most pleasant news I could bring you, it's real and let's talk about it. And if you follow me week to week, you know that I am a deep optimist. So even so, here we are. If you think about raw nature, birth, like the literal bloody birth experience, war, etc., it's a reality that Earth holds a share of brutal experiences. Everyone is scathed by life, and thus everyone has trauma. Aquarius is an archetype or Aquarius as an archetype, houses both the concept of trauma as well as the concept of freedom. Exploring this connection, let us consider that transmuting our trauma is a pathway to freedom, and that on the pathway to freedom, we have to transmute our traumas or face them. Okay, but what is freedom? Let us consider freedom as an energetic, the capacity to feel how one wishes, to make decisions or choices from a place of intention and clarity. 
Freedom as the capacity to feel how you wish and to make choices from a place of clarity. If I want to pursue happiness, for example, I am relatively free to do that. Relatively free in that I have to confront how I relate with external limitations in my reality and my relationship to those limitations, as well as how I confront or work with my resources and privileges, so to say. Relatively free to pursue happiness in that I have to confront my internal limitations to happiness, such as the traumatic thought pattern that you know, the proverbial other shoe is going to drop when things start to turn up for the better. You know, at navigating the external world, we navigate how to live. Navigating the internal world, we navigate how to allow ourselves to receive the things that we desire. How we relate to the things that we're in conflict with. As a spiritualist and a mystic, My favorite place to pursue freedom is at the internal level. I recognize that I cannot control other people. I can try to manipulate others, but in so doing only create violence and bind myself to suffering. The deepest change in power that I recognize is the change that we do within. Yet this does not imply being out of touch. This change naturally reverberates into how we participate with the external world, in relationships, and with society, right? We don't just arrive at freedom and then plug our ears with cotton and not take in any extra information. Being free is also being able to handle in our nervous system feedback from reality from other people. The generativity of internal freedom can happen alongside being involved in real efforts to create care, value, love, social change, etc. into the world. I think it is radical to take responsibility for ourselves at ever deeper levels. So when I talk about personal development alongside astrology here week to week, I'm not just talking about shining up the vessel or the ego being shinier at some superficial level. Often it's a deconstructive process, a letting go process as well. These days when I'm activated, aka triggered, I feel less overpowered by it. And even in the midst of intense, uncomfortable bodily sensation, excited that I'm on a cutting edge, on a wave of breakthrough. Because often, you know, what's coming up is there is fodder for transformation. Our material is fodder for transformation. I mainly feel empowered to work with trauma or activation in this way because I have tools for working with it. Astrology originally as this form of insight and then working with the insight that astrology has granted me to move toward things that are life enhancing and to recognize things in my experience that I may have not noticed before due to working with this language. But now it's also my love of different spiritual technologies and personal development tools that 
are a toolkit for working with the more difficult sides of the human experience. Aquarius relates to technology, spiritual technology, intellectual technology, scientific technology, social technologies, all of these kinds. In a complex, stimulating, uncertain world such as ours, having some technology to deal with trauma or nervous system activation is a major life upgrade. I personally like EFT tapping, EFT, emotional freedom technique, also called tapping, which you can YouTube. Um, But this is one of many. I also really, you know, I work with a coach. I've had therapists. I get readings. And as someone who gives readings and coaches and mentors people, it's really important for me to be in these dialogues about catalyzing life changes in a positive direction. Wherever you are, you can bring about positive change in your life by being kind and compassionate with yourself when you are in distress. Instead of shaming or reprimanding yourself for having a hard time, soothe yourself. Assert that you love and fully accept yourself. And be with the emotional charge lighting up your system. Because that's when we're having an intense emotional experience. We have stories in our heads about what's happening. And then there's also a bodily sensation that's happening. And the story or the mental level is a place, you know, that I also like to work with in terms of seeing what that story is, examining it, like understanding its logic, what are the beliefs, rewriting things as needed. But sometimes it's important to also depress that a level lower and just get into the body of when you say that you're anxious, where do you feel it? What do you feel in your chest or in your stomach? Like, what is the quality of that sensation? Is it a turning or, you know, and to be with that. The less panic, the less need to immediately do something or to believe the story in the mind and then project something on the, to the external environment. You did this. <laughs> it's your fault. You know, like that energy. The more resilient we grow in ourselves. And this is not to say that we can't have a recognition that we're in a dynamic that we don't like, that we don't appreciate how we are being treated, right? It's It's taking in this sovereign responsibility for ourselves, the way that we're participating in the situation and our agency to make different choices about how we're participating. So the more that we can be with these like intense sensations, the more resilient we grow in ourselves. And similarly, my friends, when life is good for you, and you're feeling immense amounts of pleasure, fun, joy, ecstasy even. See if you can grant yourself space to feel and allow that too. So I'm gonna share my slides for a moment for a few announcements. One, if you are new here, you can find me on Instagram as well, at Sabrina Monarch. I encourage you to sign up for my mailing list linked in the notes, which is where you will be in the know about upcoming courses and when my books for astrology readings open. 
There's a new episode of the podcast out called Shadow Work with Carla Palomino. And we discussed shadow work and the feminine. We discussed some tools for working with the shadow. Um, so that may be helpful in light of some of the themes that I was just talking about. On February 11th, I am teaching a, or I'm giving a lecture called Pillars of Creative Mastery, the Grand Fixed Cross of the Zodiac. This will be through the Washington State Astrological Association, but it's happening online. So you can tune in from wherever, though it is a live event, so there won't be a recording. I'll leave the notes or the link for tickets and for the Facebook page in the notes. Um, I'm excited to share this, though. This is the second time I'll be giving this lecture. The last time was in Minnesota in 2019. And um, yeah, I'm just, you know, the fixed signs, which are very emphasized this week with the Aquarius stellium, Aquarius being a fixed sign, square Mars and Taurus, Taurus being a fixed sign. The fixed signs each have to do with living a truly creative life. It's things like being in our full radiance, in our genius, in our self-worth, feeling free. But it's also the entrenched kind of obstacles or problems that come up like trauma, dissociation, scarcity, um, addiction, deep themes, right? And they're all, you know, it's profound to me that the fixed signs relate to this epic creativity as well as some of the deepest struggles along the way. And meditating on all of these signs, you know, it's not just about what you have in your chart related to the fixed signs. That also includes Leo and Taurus. Um, these are universal human experiences, and I'm excited to share my ideas on that. My astrology reading bookings are currently closed, and I'm still taking new clients for ongoing mentorship or coaching, which is a six-month or one-year commitment. And if you're interested in working with me in that capacity, you can send me an email at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. So let me share with you the rest of the stuff for this week. Oh, and I forgot to say, please like this video and subscribe and hit the notification bell and leave a comment. Let me know what you think and how you're doing. So on February 10th, Mercury retrograde in 17 degrees of Aquarius will square Mars in 17 degrees of Taurus at 4.15 a.m. Pacific. When Mercury and Mars form a hard aspect, so hard doesn't mean difficult, by the way. Hard means impact. It's like um, an aspect, an alignment that kind of makes itself known. We're looking at being directly in front of someone, right next to someone, or at like a crossroads, 90 degree angle. So those are all just like as energetics, they're kind of loud. When Mercury and Mars form a hard aspect, so one of these more confrontational ones, argument and verbal battle are highlighted in the social field because you have Mercury... Mercury already has a quality, you know, it's clever, it's the magician, uh, it can relate to communication and chattiness and whatnot, but Mercury also, um, and this has become more apparent to me through the ideas of Drew Levanti, Mercury has this contesting quality. So Mercury can point out the holes in an argument, be like, well, what about this? And to kind of challenge and it can be a friendly challenge, right? But Mars is like a planet of war and battle. 
and Mars cuts and Mars severs. Mars also relates to vitality and courage and all of that. But you put Mercury and Mars together and you get debate and verbal battling. Some debates are friendly and others are aimed more destructively. Naturally, in our realities, certain tensions build up and go largely unaddressed. This can be bigger themes in the collective or undertones and undercurrents in our personal relationships or anywhere in between. Tensions go unaddressed for a variety of reasons, right? We are picking our battles. There are power dynamics at play that make confrontation more complex. We are afraid. We haven't yet reached clarity on the situation enough to feel like we can verbalize it or name it, to feel confident addressing it, and so on. But during a transit like this, it is likely that certain things that have gone unaddressed come to the surface, come to a head, um, or essentially erupt out into the open. For that very reason, this transit can be uncomfortable to the nervous system and to the ego and our personal defenses. It is simultaneously an opportunity for growth, discovery, and perhaps invention. Um, I was at Rick Tarnas's talk through CIS this last week about the current transits, and he brought in the um, the Chinese word for crisis, meaning danger plus opportunity. And I really like that one. I like to think about that one because there is a quality to which within crisis, there is imminent danger, imminent conflict, as well as the opportunity, like something is uh, coming to a head, there's some kind of issue. And then there's the question of what do we do with that? And so this happens at a collective scale. It also happens in our personal lives when something gives and it erupts and we're like, you know what, I'm going to do something a different way. And we make a new choice that was sparked and catalyzed by the tension of the crisis moment. Consider as well that the greater our endurance for holding dissonance and paradox, the more options that we may have at our ready. Holding dissonance and paradox. Think about that one. February 11th, Venus in 12 degrees of Aquarius will be conjunct Jupiter in 12 degrees of Aquarius at 7 a.m. On its own, a Venus-Jupiter conjunction relates to the expansion of the pleasures in life, a fancy candlelit dinner, feeling so loved you're overflowing, adventures with gregarious friends, giving and receiving gifts, and so on. Love it. But this conjunction is part of the Mercury-Mars squared detailed previously by being conjunct Mercury and square Mars. Social and relational discord is highlighted with both Venus and Mercury square Mars with the exaggeration and expansive influence of Jupiter blowing up the present issues. It is also a possibility that we will feel closer to people in our lives 
because of honest dialogues and that we will feel quite bonded by having gone through an experience together. So, I mean, just at a a simple level, consider the co-presence of this expansion and love and gregariousness with verbal battle in the field. What does, what do they look like happening side by side? You know, are they in the same room in your life or are they in different areas or what? Related to Aquarius here, there's a lot of value in learning or interfacing with frameworks that help us understand ourselves and relational dynamics better. Aquarius can help us gain some intellectual distance from the direct dramas of our lives. It could be Aquarius that gives us the strength to breathe and feel self-regulated when someone tells us that they feel hurt by our actions or gives us a criticism, to be able to listen and navigate that dynamic with spaciousness without shutting down or going into defense or projection. Aquarius could also be that part of us that just splits into a trauma response too. Like the full range of the Aquarius archetype includes all of these things, like where we're at and working with our nervous system. Aquarius can teach us that we are all operating in life in accordance to the structure of our consciousness. Be that our cultural conditioning, our belief systems, our traumas, our direct experiences, and how they have shaped us, and so on. With so much of the astrology occurring in fixed signs right now, so the Aquarius stellium including Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury retrograde, and at the time of this transit also the Moon and the Sun. And then we have Uranus and Mars and Taurus. So with all of this fixed energy, consider that people, including ourselves, may be entrenched in position. And it is also likely that we can feel this position challenged by interacting with people who have different value systems than us. You know, high wisdom of Aquarius is... On the one hand, realism of understanding where people are at, where society, where the culture is at, and seeing it as objectively as possible. I don't believe in complete objectivity per se, at least not from the human vantage point. But recognizing the way that things are and then not making it personal. So if there is a person who doesn't understand us and no matter how hard we try to explain ourselves or have dialogue and there's just some kind of barrier, um, it's possible to take that personal and be like, I'm so misunderstood or this person's so, um, you know, they don't get it. And it could be that there's a a certain real dissonance, at least in that moment in time, between the structure of that person's consciousness and the structure of our consciousness. And that's not to create an otherness either, but to recognize where people are, where we are, and to just let that be. Now, I feel like I have to counter that a little bit too, 
in the sense that sometimes at a trauma level, we can think that something just is the way it is when it's our belief that is reinforcing that pattern in reality. So I think part of the wisdom of Aquarius involves seeing things from a detached, increasingly objective point of view, but also being open to see things as they actually are. So that means even being willing to deconstruct or let go of some of our layers that block our perceptions, such as through our trauma, our biases, our beliefs, and to see that these are all filters that potentially obscure our vision, whereas some filters, some frameworks are like magnifying glasses that help us see something that we couldn't see before. And to remain open-minded enough to take off certain filters and put on other filters to see other perspectives. Then we have a new moon in 23 degrees of Aquarius at 11.06 a.m. Pacific. This new moon occurs after both the sun and the moon have touched Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury, and Pallas Athena on their way through Aquarius. So we have, you know, moon in 23 degrees of Aquarius at the tail end of the Aquarius stellium. This lunation also squares Mars and Taurus, still happening, and the Saturn-Uranus square, which um, you can find... I'll link below as well. I made a video about that square that's active and defining for all of 2021. That's also notably tight and relevant here, given that Saturn is Aquarius's traditional ruler and Uranus is Aquarius's modern ruler. We have both of them tight in aspect at the moment of this lunation. Here are some Aquarian themes you might consider as you either set or discover your intentions for the lunar cycle ahead. For what it's worth, I don't set intentions every moon cycle. Sometimes I'm just in the flow of life, right? And sometimes something, um, sometimes there's a wave that's coming through and life is living me too. Like there's that fluid kind of relationship. Sometimes I set an intention for the day or for another frame of time. So intentions to me, you know, can happen at so many different scales, but the moon, the new moon is a pretty classic magical spot to set an intention. But I wanted to just state that it's not like you have to capitalize on that every single time there's a new moon, right? You don't have to set or not set intentions, but if you want, and if you're thinking about it, or you're just observing what's happening, I'll share some themes and the power of setting intentions at the start of a cycle, any cycle, is that you are participating in the newness of the cycle where there is so much possibility ahead. Right now, one of my favorite places to set intentions is when I wake up first thing in the morning. And something that I'm thinking about currently that feels like alive for me is that sometimes... Um, there are certain external things in life that feel really permission granting to feel happy, you know, like the, the favorite experiences, the preferred circumstances and the process of then having an emotion because something great is happening. 
for me as a experimenter of reality, as a play, a player in reality, I like to decide first thing in the morning that it's going to be like a magical, wonderful day. Even if there's nothing that I can locate, like it's just kind of a normal day or I have like normal things planned. I'm not doing anything particularly special to just decide that I'm going to feel great and to play with the empowerment that lies within that choice to have a great day. It's fun, <laughs> right? And at a at a bigger level, you know, enjoying life, pleasure is important to me. I'm a Taurus moon. So I like playing this game of setting that intention at the beginning of the day and actually then because of my belief systems and how I navigate reality, having cool, magical things happen and being like, wow, that really was also inside of me. I didn't have to wait for reality to sweep me up and take, you know, take me on a ride that you can engage reality in that way. So as far as intentions go, yeah, set a new moon intention, but know that you can set intentions anytime. So Freedom. I want to talk about freedom again. Aquarius relates to two kinds of freedom consciousness. One is freedom from, and the other is objective freedom. Freedom from defines itself by what is what it is in opposition to. Objective freedom taps into the energetic of freedom itself and can be a place that we visit in our most peaceful, meditative, ecstatic and or visionary states. So that's kind of like the thing when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, today's going to be a beautiful, wonderful, fantastic lit day. That's tapping into a vibration, which is a form of objective freedom, arguably. Versus if I was like, today I'm going to free myself from my insecurities, <laughs> I would be freeing myself from something. Freedom from consciousness can be problematic in the sense that it often engages with an enemy. Some creative or visionary agency may be sacrificed in the process of identifying with being against something instead of working toward the invention or generation of something new. Or not even something new, but something um, real, like your soul purpose, um, the deepest thing within you. Freedom from consciousness, however, because of its identification with being against something that already is, already exists, is visibly connected to reality and social constructs and social contracts. So it can appear to be um, relevant. And I'm not saying it's not relevant, but it can be a trap at an excess. On the other hand, objective freedom consciousness can appear to bypass current reality or be out of touch with current reality. Navigating this type of freedom poses um, different kinds of challenges when it comes to ethical participation with reality and social belonging. Right. Like I think um, 
a lot of people that really dive deep into creating their own reality or increasing their vibration, one of the things that they classically come up against is people not being down with their vibe. It's like being the happy person in the room who's annoying to everyone. And um, also the internal navigating of that, of like, once you discover the code to be happy or to be in love with life, no matter what is happening, to be that universally accepting and engaging with life. Um, if your mood, if you feel disempowered or brought down by the suffering of the planet or other people around you, then you're not in touch with that kind of freedom anymore. And there's a certain gift in being able to touch that kind of nectar of the gods, so to say, that beautiful bliss state, that place of freedom, and ground down into this reality and be present with people, be present with yourself, where parts of you are at, parts of your ego are at, to be present with society, where society is at, and not... Um, so alienating because of being on that ride. Being able to tap out of group think and be a free thinker is a gift. And yet we can bounce right back to freedom from consciousness. So freedom against something. If from a place of quote, free thinking, we identify with the opposition to the group think. True freedom may be more mysterious and more of a discovery than we ever thought. This is the case, honestly, for any keyword that goes with any of the zodiac signs. They're always deeper meditations that have can unfurl infinite layers of depth the more that we pursue and seek and open ourselves to their wisdom. So we say freedom, and you know, as a word, what is freedom? But really, freedom quite, quite an expansive, mysterious topic. Consider non-linearity in this process of these different kinds of freedom in that sometimes it is through tapping into objective freedom in a spiritual, mystical, visionary, meditative state that we gain insight on how to create changes in our lives. Detachment brings us back to connection and on the ground activity. Right. So this like consider the trajectory of being embroiled, involved in a conflict, a direct crisis or a direct impasse in your life. And then having the access to soothing your nervous system and going into a meditative state and accessing a vision, asking your higher self for wisdom and having a vision and then incorporating that vision back into how you navigate the 3D reality. And then conversely, sometimes it's through noticing that we're against something, that there's something in our experience or in society that we don't like or that we feel not in resonance with, that we come into an awareness of what we are in alignment with at a more transcendent level or what we value at a more transcendent level. On February 12th, Venus in 14 degrees of Aquarius will conjunct Mercury retrograde in 14 degrees of Aquarius at 11.48 p.m. Pacific. Mercury-Venus contacts relate to beautiful ideas, eloquent language, 
and ease with communications. Again, it's still square Mars here, which relates to conflict and challenge, but adds this other complex note where you have the beautiful like Venus-Mercury situation. And Venus-Mars, when they're tense, you know, can be an immensely creative time for um, art and for personal expression, but it can also be um, interpersonal conflict. Given that Mercury is retrograde, which emphasizes going back over information, it's Mercury retrograde, it's like review, rethink, revise, all of those RE words. Consider the possibility with this that it may be going through, that it may be through our revisions or rethinking that we connect with deeper layers of aesthetic or harmonic beauty. Sometimes it is only after writing a dream down or writing about the day at the day's end that we realize something significant happened. This happens to me all the time. I'm like, (laughs) don't realize how amazing or profound the day was until I reflect on it. There's a lot, you know, we take in a lot of information at all times and we have a certain narrowing or a certain filter so that we can focus, um, Even just the brain and our biology is a a filter that narrows infinite experience into this limited condensed form and having an identity, having an ego and all of that. So sometimes just taking some time to go back and think about something that's already happened, we realize that it actually has a lot more depth inside of it than we thought the first pass through. We have the opportunity to notice what kinds of stories we are telling and consider if there may be other vantage points of perspective worth considering. It's always important to to recognize that the mind tells stories and it doesn't mean that everything we think is just a story, right? But there's a lot of storytelling. We naturally tell stories and sometimes, um, Well, any given event, there's so many different stories that would be told about it. And so similarly, at a psychological level, things happen in our lives and we can construct all sorts of different narratives about what that meant. And some of those narratives really empower and enliven us. And some of those narratives depress and deaden us um, or make us feel disempowered. And stepping back and seeing that we're storytellers can help us get out of the trap of just believing our thoughts without considering them. On February 13th, I didn't write about this one, but just an FYI, Mars in 19 degrees of Taurus will sextile Neptune in 19 degrees of Pisces at 6.13 p.m. And then on February 14th, Mercury retrograde in 13 degrees of Aquarius will conjunct Jupiter in 13 degrees of Aquarius at 1.40 p.m. So maybe a good time on Valentine's Day for those love letters. Achu Bava last year um, made a video about Valentine's Day or on Valentine's Day, he made a video about relationship astrology compatibility. And at the end, he offered a suggestion about um, writing a love letter to God. And I did it <laughs> and it was fun. And, you know, just thinking about Uh, that form of play where I think that he, in the context of that, he was talking about 
And so I'm just speaking from memory. This isn't a direct quote, but something about how we long for relationship. And then when we're in relationship, we may feel nostalgic for the freedom that we had. So to just kind of trust the path that you're on was the transmission that I was getting from that. But in the meantime, if you are desirous of love and you are single and Valentine's Day is a sad day for you for that reason, to consider still engaging um, the energy of love by writing a love letter to God. But here's what I wrote here. There's a simultaneous impulse to speak the truth as well as to revise our perception of what the truth is by collecting more information or reflecting on various paradoxes or conflicts that are at the moment unresolved. Consider keeping space in your own experience and in your relationships for changes of mind or unfolding dialogue around complex topics. And then... The next Saturn square Uranus exact hit is coming up on February 17th. So check out that video um, that I made about this transit that's active all of 2021, um, but exact coming up soon. Thank you for watching this. Please like, subscribe, and let me know what you think in the comments. And um, you can connect with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. You can subscribe to my podcast, Magic of the Spheres, as well. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email the screenshot to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. This resource library includes a few lectures and videos about things along the lines of manifestation and creating reality. And I come to this kind of line of thought from direct experience and experimentation, navigating, studying astrology and karma and things like manifestation at the same time, and also working to rewire my own brain away from patterns of chronic depression and experiencing more peak experience and creating a higher baseline mood for myself with these ideas and practices. When you review the podcast, I appreciate it a lot because it is a magical thing to do for the algorithm. It helps more people find this podcast, connect with this work, and it really helps the livelihood of the show. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful week. <laughs>